This is the Courtside Connect, your go-to podcast for all things Kentucky basketball and Kentucky basketball's quickest game review podcast. Um, We're actually not going to be too quick on reviewing this podcast for a reason I'm about to announce soon. But as always, I'm your host, Matt Sack, and I am joined by my co-host, Scott Clark. Scott, how are you doing on this fine Sunday afternoon? Uh, Great. I think I've rewatched the the game highlights about four or five times. I used to do that like religiously and this year it's kind of been hard because it's like we don't win that much and like when we do win like the wins are ugly and yesterday was oh my god it was it was great the atmosphere is electric I just it's one of those Sundays where it's like it's just a great Sunday so yeah I'm right with you it's it's amazing how good winning feels and how bad losing makes you feel because I've been trying I've been making like a very big effort as of late to like don't let Kentucky basketball make or break your week. If they lose, do not let it ruin your entire week. If they win, don't just, like, party and forget to do everything else. So I've, I've been trying to, like, stay balanced, but it's so hard. Like, I just mm-hmm. woke up, and I'm, like, happy. I'm, like, why Why am I so happy today? Like, is it Sunday? Is the weather's good? Or We just beat Tennessee. We swept them. Oh. Uh, we haven't had a regular season sweep since probably, what, 2015? Um. Yeah, hasn't been – yeah, because PJ year that I was trying to think of like maybe the hero year, but we got murdered in in Knoxville that year. So and we didn't even play them twice a year until like recently. I don't know if we've ever beaten them twice in the regular season. No, but they haven't done it either. So or yeah, they did in uh Chase year. I think they beat us twice. So we beat them in the tournament that year. I think. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but anyways, glad we did it this year. Way to go. Um kind of weird that this is the year to do it too you know Tennessee <laughs> was ranked two and ten when we played them and I think we were unranked both times and uh not college basketball of, for you yeah we weren't coming off of a losing streak this time like we were last time but we were what one of out of our last three like we came off of we lost to Georgia and Arkansas and then beat Mississippi State to get back on track for this one but it's it's always great to be back in the W column sometimes you need a grind out those gritty games it's just it's the conference play you know not mm-hmm. not every game's gonna look great but I'd put this in the category of one of the games that actually did look great at least in some aspects you know like you're not going to go put up 80 points against this Tennessee no. uh, defense you're not you're just not gonna put I don't know how we put up 107 on Rick Barnes last year but you're just normally not gonna do that but we did hold Tennessee to 54 points um they only had 19 in the first half they got hot a little bit to start off the second half but I think I just looked it up. They scored their 49th and 50th points with 725 left in the game and closed at 54. So the last seven-plus minutes, they only scored four points. That is very clutch defense. We've seen the past few games. It's like Kansas, we just could not get a stop, and that's why we lost. Florida, we could not get a stop. But luckily, Case and Wallace went nuclear, and we didn't need to get stopped, so we just outscored them. Um but this game, we finally got the stops that we needed. We we locked down Vescovi. We chased him off the ball. We made other guys hit tough shots, and they couldn't, and we won the game for it. Yeah, and and just kind of in that second half, like we had the 20-point lead, 
And the only thing I, I'm going to sound like, uh, you know, kind of like annoying, but the only thing I could really think of was my freshman year when we had, we were up 17 on senior night at home against Tennessee, you end up losing. And I was like, if this happens again, I'm going to lose my mind. Like I will, I'll cry. I had and, serious um, PTSD from that as well, yeah, especially because they start off with a seven zero run to start the second half. Yeah. And it was just, it was see, yeah, the seven over like right off the bat, like the case and turnover. I was like, all right, well, this is not a great start. And then Vescovy started catching on fire and, it was, it was ugly to start off the second half, but we weathered the storm well, and I think that was kind of a testament of like who this team's kind of becoming. Because, uh, I mean, obviously Tennessee, Tennessee is a great team, um, and for us to kind of be like, all right, we're good. We gave a run, timeout. Let's go back, get back to what we were doing. I thought that was really awesome to see. Yeah, for sure, a lot of great performances across the board. Um, Oscar dominated at center. He he didn't. Um, I think he only shot three of nine from the field, but he got to the free throw line because the opposing centers couldn't guard him. I don't think he was really able to get too much going against uh, Plavchich last time. I think Plavchich had 18 points of his own or something along the lines of that. I, I could be misremembering, but Adu only had four points, almost fouled out. Plavchich only had two points. Um, they only had four and three rebounds or seven and three rebounds, respectfully. Um, so Oscar really dominated down low. And again, he shot 10 of 11 from the free throw line. Our team did not shoot very good from the free throw line at all, but he was an anomaly to that and just kept getting to the line. No one could guard him. He had three steals, um, 16 points. I thought he played a great game. Livingston, phenomenal. Toppin did a lot of good things. Wallace was much more improved from the previous two games. Um, just a lot of great performances up and down the board. Yeah, and I'm on, I'm on Bart, uh, Bart Torvik's website right now and he's great i think me personally for like those who listen who are into analytics i think he's got the best website yeah i think he's better than ken palm and a lot of his stuff is um more advanced but as you're saying like guys stepped up damian collins in the <laughs> three minutes that he played had a box plus minus of plus 42.3 that is i mean obviously he's not playing like that the whole game but that's insane that is impact in short burst when you're out there uh, I mean, that's impressive. Uh, guys like Chris Livingston had a uh, box, box plus minus of 13, uh, 13.2, um, a net rating of 5.3, which was by far the highest on our team. The next closest was Oscar with plus 2.1. I thought Chris, like Kaysen had a good game. Oscar was fine. I thought Chris was by and far our best player. He had an O rating of 144.5, by far the highest on the team. Um, just being, he gets to the areas that like all those, he had like, I think he had like maybe two or three putback layups where he's just, mm -hmm. he's going hard to the rim, uh, on rebounding things like that and against a team like Tennessee. And you're going to get those type of games practically, practically all throughout March, um, to have a guy like Chris, who's a freshman, no less go in there and do things like that. That was just really impressive. And then Kaysen was great. Um, I just, he, it, it was awesome just to see, I don't think anyone really had a bad game. Like Antonio, I think he, I mean, he missed a lot of shots, but, and he was one for four from the free throw line. That was the only gripe that I had with anyone or just like anyone with anything was we missed a lot of free throws, but overall, like defensively, both ends of the ball, it was just a really good performance by everyone. Yeah. I, I, Chris was phenomenal. 
Um, yeah. The one area of his game that wasn't was free throw shooting. Like you noted, he was three of seven, but I'm pretty sure he was leading our team in free throw shooting or maybe second behind CJ coming in today. So not really worried about that. But he out-rebounded Oscar Shibway, had our only double-digit rebounding total of the day, um, had a double-double, 12 points, 10 rebounds. He had 12 points on five shots. And that's when he didn't make his free throws. That's freaking insane efficiency. Didn't turn the ball over, had a block, played great defense. I thought he was great coming off screens. He went over on Vescovy and went under on everyone else. I love seeing that game plan. And I... I don't want to put it all on one man because I don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, but it's incredible how much better our game plan has gone since Tyler Ulysses has got here. And it seems like from what we're hearing that that's a lot of what he's doing. He's doing the scouting. He's doing the game planning. We were always going over screens on guys we shouldn't be going over on, and we went under on everyone. Like Ziegler, he had a, I think he had a couple of big threes in the second half, which got Tennessee back in the game, but he shot two of nine from three at the game. You're going to let Ziegler shoot two of nine from three. You're going to do that. Like a key, he was 0 of 4 from 3. Like, they're guys that we were supposed to go under on, we did, and they missed threes. We dared them to take them, and they couldn't, and that was huge. But Chris, fantastic game. He just keeps getting better every single game that he plays. He gets better and better. Um, I always like to see Chris more at the 4, but that was when Jacob Toppin wasn't playing well. And it's also when Jacob Toppin, one, wasn't like, attacking the rim and or he wasn't shooting threes he's like settling for mid-rangers I don't like Jacob at the four and Chris at the three but if Jacob Toppin is going to be a guy that's either going to dunk or shoot a three I think that opens up so much spacing for Chris like you know not a not your like typical guard you know not like an Antonio Reeves or a CJ Frederick at the three I think that opens up things that Chris does well if Jacob Toppin is helping space the floor at the four yeah and and the as you're saying, like Toppins being more, uh, I guess, aggressive with his three point shooting, it's providing something. Same thing with Chris. Both the guys are being aggressive, and like you said, I mean, I remember, I forgot what happened. Uh, I think Chris had like a layup towards the end of the first half when that lineup was out there, and we kind of looked at each other, and you're like, "I'm completely fine with this." And it just to see. I mean, I wish they would have done this much earlier in the season because it would have changed the offense a lot. But um, just to see that now is is awesome. And I think Chris has, Chris specifically, like Rick Barnes kind of joked about it after the game. Because like him and Cal are friends. I saw some people be like, you know, why is Rick saying this? Like, eh, shut up. Like, but Cal and Rick are friends. And Rick was like, I don't know what John was doing with Livingston, like in the early, like at the beginning of the year. And I think a lot of people, including myself, had that same feeling towards Cal. It's like, you got this guy, Chris Livingston. Yes, he's a little raw right now, but like he's showing so many flashes. You got to play him more, especially in early in the year when Toppin wasn't playing well at all. And like you could tell something was just off. Like I felt like Chris could have gotten more run. And who, who knows? Maybe we could have seen this Chris a lot earlier. Um, but I, I like, I literally cannot be more proud and say enough good things about Chris Livingston. And I, I just really hope he does return. And I know there's like a lot of, speculation that he won't and whatever but I was telling my girlfriend yesterday who was sitting next to me I was like kind of giving the whole spiel about Livingston in the situation I was like if he returns he could genuinely be like national player of the year I think or like up there for consideration I think he is such a deep tool set and you give him a summer to really work on his offensive game and his handle and have more of a a role with the ball I mean I think the sky's the limit for him 
I want to get into Chris returning, but first, uh, I want to give you your props because you you called Chris Livingston being really good before the season even started, and really haven't wavered from that. I think at one point you might have said you think he might be the better freshman between him and Kaysen, which didn't turn out to be true. But now we're seeing that they're they're very similar in impact. They do very different things, but they're very their amount of impact is, is the gap between them is definitely narrowing. And that that's not a shot at Kaysen playing worse. I think Kaysen's mm-hmm. phenomenal. Case I love Kaysen, but Chris just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. He's he does just, things and, that doesn't show up in the stat sheet either. And here's the thing, like this is this is how I know a player is good when my girlfriend this this was after this is like ten minutes into the game. My girlfriend Chris did something good. She goes, He's really good. Like he's playing good. And if she says that, you know like he's playing good or he's good because she doesn't really, you know, but I was like, yeah, he's Chris Livingston is that good. He is that guy. And I, like you said, I've always seen it with Chris. I thought his Oak Hill tape, he looked very advanced for a high school player and very mature in his game. And I just think like just the, the things that he does and the things that he can do in the future will just be, it'll be great. So, so I remember the first time we played Tennessee, Savir Wheeler was out for that game and we got to extensively see the Benny lineup and that Benny lineup really killed it against Tennessee. Um, I wouldn't say really killed it, but did enough to beat, again, the number two team in the country in Tennessee on the road in a very, very rough patch. And then moving forward, we kind of saw, all right, Kaysen's our new starting point guard. Um, Now that CJ has been out the past couple games and Reeves has been thriving in the starting lineup and Chris is having his best games ever, like consecutively, do you think that kind of now becomes our default lineup, even when Wheeler and CJ come back, being Kaysen at the point, Reeves at the two, Chris at the three, Jacob at the four, and then Oscar at the five? Because I, I personally think that's our best five, even with, like, again, who, who knows what? We still don't know what a healthy CJ Frederick looks like. Right. He comes back and is shooting 50% from three. You got to find a way to put him in. But I think that's probably our best five right now. No, I, I agree. And I think that's just kind of something you got to roll with. Like, I don't want a repeat of last year where we have some key impact guys injured heading late in the year, and then we try to, like, force them back into the lineup, and then we never get our rhythm back. And it's kind of hard to compare last year to this year because we, I mean, if I'm being brutally honest, we haven't really gotten into rhythm this year, I feel like. Yeah. But I feel like now is kind of the chance to just, hey, this is the lineup. This is what we're going to do moving forward. You have a, a great point guard coming off your bench who obviously – who's been playing very well as of late coming off the bench. Like Severe Wheeler has been, I think I looked at Miyakawa's website the other day and since he was relegated to the six man role, he's been at like our fourth highest impact player. But um, so having him off the bench and having CJ off the bench, like it just changes things and it allows you to mix and match things uh, and based off what the other team is doing. So I think that's going to be really, really important but I don't like I like you said I don't really want to tweak anything I don't want to I'm cool with what we have right now and it gives us a lot of flexibility yeah I, I agree um you talked about Chris coming back next year I think the rumors are not like so like inside sources and they're pretty pretty uh just very available now and that is that Chris specifically is camp um really want him to play the three and really do not think he's playing the four so i think if you are going to convince chris to come back for another year i think you do i think you just need to say like the three spot is yours um 
So I think if you're going to go the route of maybe convincing Justin Edwards to play the four, which I'll get to in a second, I, I would be fine with that because at that point it's just positionless basketball. Who really cares who's the three, who's the four, other than Chris's camp. Um, but if you're going to go the route of we're going to make like Chris the three, but then you're going to play like Aaron Bradshaw at the four and like Ugana at the five, then then I, I don't love Chris so much at the three. Because like I said, I only really like Chris yeah. at the three now because Jacob Toppin is starting to take and make more threes. I don't love that. But I think, again, I think Justin Edwards is probably more of a three than Chris. But I also think Justin Edwards would fit very well to, into like what Jacob Toppin is doing right now. Because we run Jacob Toppin as like a point forward sometimes. He has all kinds of wide open threes. He has all kinds of slashing opportunities. We run the offense through him a lot. Sometimes he's like your secondary ball handler. I think that'd be great if you could put Justin Edwards in that role and keep Chris Livingston at his like three where he's more of like a slasher. Um, plus, I just think Chris will probably, if he stays for another year, his ball handling will get better and his shooting will get better. So I'm not overly worried about him playing the three. But again, if we're going like, Aaron Bradshaw at the four. I'm not sure I love uh, Chris coming back as much. I just don't think the fit is there for him. Yeah, and if that actually happens, I will personally go to John Calipari's house and I will raise hell because, oh, God, I don't even want to think about that. But, like, I I kind of have hope because, like, Cal, I mean, yes, Cal, half the shit he says is just kind of just fabrication, but – he was talking about yesterday, like he come or he, someone asked him about Livingston, and he said he reminds me a little bit of Shea, like really smart, cares too much, was listening to too many voices. Yeah, building your confidence, he was doing. This is a direct quote, by the way. Building your confidence, he was doing it in practice, and then you've got to have a demonstrated performance. He's now that guy. Now part of it, CJ's out, but the way he's playing now, people coming back are going to be fighting for minutes too because he needs to be on the court. He's building his own self esteem. It's so hard to read a Cal quote, by the way, because it's like it goes in like 40 different directions <laughs> and they're all like little mini blurbs that like are in one sentence. So I'm sorry if I sounded dumb while saying that, but I just I think he's he's guard. He's got guard skills and a forwards body. And I've always thought that about Chris and I thought that it just it works really well. And I think a lineup next year of and I, I remember Cal even talking about I forgot when it was it wasn't that long ago. He was talking about like how Chris shouldn't worry about what position he actually is playing. And like, it doesn't really matter because, you know, positionless and all that stuff. And I think that there wasn't really like a shot to his camp, but it was kind of like addressing certain things that have been going around. You know, it's just, I thought that was a good quote by him, but yeah, I think a, like a lineup with Edwards and Livingston and then uh, a Bradshaw at the five or who knows, maybe a Damon Collins at the five or just someone with length at length at the five. I think you're, you're cooking with gas. So I I think that'd be sick, but it's John Calipari, so I don't I really know how if that'll happen, but I hope I hope it does. Yeah, I think if you can get Dillingham and DJ in your backcourt. First of all, I like having multiple ball handlers in the backcourt. I don't like when at least for a college NBA is way different. I don't like when a college offense goes through one guy. That was kind of why not that this was Wheeler's fault. I didn't really like our offense in the beginning running through Wheeler because it kind of just turned around with like Wheeler, dribble, 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 four guys stand around. We didn't really have an offense. I kind of like when you have, um, you know, like Kaysen and Toppin handling the ball or Kaysen and Reeves handling the ball or Kaysen and Wheeler handling the ball. You have those multiple ball handlers. So I kind of like the idea 
if you can have like Dilly and DJ in your backcourt at the one and the two, or maybe DJ and Reeves at the one and two, um, and then you could have like Edwards and Chris like at the three and four and like positionless basketball, and then you just have a seven foot rim protector in Aaron Bradshaw or Ugana and Yenzo or Damian Collins. I think that's perfect roster construction. And then you get a Reed Shepard off the bench and a Duthiero off the bench, a CJ Frederick off the bench. I think that could be a very, very good lineup that fits very well if you go that direction. I think if you go the other direction of trying to get too many forwards in there, too many guards in there, um, you're, you're going to kind of turn into what we saw at the beginning of this year. I think it might turn into like a Dillingham dribble fest with four other guys that can't really shoot standing around him. So it's a slippery slope with uh, Chris coming back or Damian coming back. I hope if we do bring him back, we put him in good positions to succeed. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, 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 for the most part, understand what you're saying because it's like, but I feel like earlier this year, it's like we did have more. I mean, Kaysen's a ball handler, Sabir's a ball handler. Like you said, Toppin was out there. I don't know. I just felt like way the offense was being ran with Cal and what he was like looking for, and I just didn't think it was great. But I think like Cal's always a guy who wants multiple ball handlers out there, and um. I just think earlier in the year, like, we just didn't have enough skill on the court, like enough scoring, which is why Kaysen, I think, better suits this offense than, um, you know, Severe does because, like like we talked about, just additional scoring. But, yeah, I think a next-year lineup of, like, what you're talking about would be great for winning and all that, all that jazz. I just uh, – I'm scrolling through Twitter to look for a, a, something I had as a talking point. And I saw, I saw you quote tweet this one guy. It's a Tennessee fan that was basically like, what is so important about the final four? <laughs> oh, dude named Tipton. Tipton Wheeler. And, like, if you look at his profile picture, just, like, like if you think of a man named Tipton Wheeler and there's three dudes in his profile picture and all of them look like a Tipton Wheeler. Like, <laughs> you like have my no da- idea which one of these yeah, guys are Tipton. Like, my dad owns a law firm, you know. Tipton Wheeler. That's all. That's I will say one thing. Every Tennessee fan looks like that guy or whoever uh, that they all got, you know, like the white little kind of nice comb over haircut, Nike dry fit polo, like all the Tennessee fans yesterday. They all look the same. It's they are the worst humans on earth. I just, oh, God. <laughs> Tennessee so fans saying what's so good about the final four is just, the I don't know. Maybe you would know if you went there. Yeah, you would, maybe, maybe, you know, what's so good if, uh, about the final four, if you're able to make one. So, uh. But yeah, that kind of, at least for me, wraps up this Tennessee game. Um, yeah. I guess, so we're recording this on Sunday, which is why you're not going to get the review immediately, because we're going to post it hopefully Tuesday night, as right now we segue into our interview with Doug from the hashtag Free Doug. Free Doug. Welcome back to the Courtside Connect. I am Matt Sack, as always, joined by my co-host, Scott Clark. But this time, we have a very, very, very special guest. It is a certified Florida Gator hater. The blue coat, (laughs) Doug, is in the house with me and Scott. Doug, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday evening? Good. Doing good. I'd be better if if, uh, A&M can knock off Tennessee tonight. Yeah, it would be great. We, uh... We hate Florida. We hate Tennessee on this podcast, but um, I appreciate come you coming on. Um, yeah. Just kind of wanted to hear a little bit about your story. So, how long have you been a blue coat, or when did you start? This would, this would have been my well. This if I'd finished it would have been nineteen years. 
So that would have put you, you started in 2003, 2004. So that was like middle of like Tubby era. Is that correct? I was toward the end of the Tubby era. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, a lot of people, you know, they saw obviously what happened with the Florida game and, and the incident, um, you know, and, and, and the, the uh, support for you after it what did that you know i'm sure that was probably a rough moment for you and rough time for you you know dealing with all that but what did it what did it mean to you to see all the uh support from people even from the florida fans who were you know being annoying i mean they were supporting you on twitter what did that mean to you yeah did you see the guys they had the free dug on the, the back free dug on the back of their they, on the they, back of the jerseys how yeah. cool was that i mean yeah and they were but you know they were just I, we're, we're still trying to figure out how they got seats in that <laughs> in that section because they're high dollar seats and they must of course but they said this they said rep arena was on their bucket list the mecca of college basketball mm-hmm. like but they want we always wanted to came to come there i don't know why i'd necessarily want to go to a basketball game in, in Gainesville. you know what i'm saying yeah but i mean rep arena is a is a, a destination for a lot of college people they come they come there and you'd be surprised how many people come in there and, it, and it's the first time they've ever been there I was kind of, I've always been kind of in awe of that because I'm there every game, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Scott and I, we, we might have bumped into you a couple of times. So we are in the <laughs> very front of the E-zone every single game. We get to yeah. games sometimes as early as 6 to 7 a.m. to ensure yeah. that front spot. Um, so we, we've gotten to see a lot of great memories over the past four years. Like I remember the Louisville game with Nick Richards. I remember Alabama yeah. last year with Cullen Grady hitting a bunch of threes. Do you have yeah. like a favorite memory or a couple favorite memories uh, as your time as a blue coat that you got to watch? Uh, I, I would have to say probably uh, the, the championship team, the 2012 team, that, that team could have won without a coach. They, they were just that good. <laughs> I mean, Gilchrist was fat. he was quick on quick. He could guard a, he could guard anybody, and and uh, uh, when when Anthony came in here, nobody knew because he'd grown, he got so big, nobody knew what kind of a, a player he was going to be. When I was at the ball game, I was at the game when he blocked the the shot on the baseline at the North Carolina game, and everybody, I, I jumped all the way out almost onto the floor, and I said, "Oh yeah, we got us one here, boys." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember yeah. i think i was like 10 years old for that game and I, I was just starting to get into college basketball and i was i, I could feel the energy like through the stadium that they, like through my tv so yeah. actually being in there must have been very insane yeah yeah, yeah i was i was uh what there was one year i was up in section i was in section 19 between eight, 18 and 19 and some guy that worked for the bleacher report walked in uh and he was walked up next to me, and he said, uh, "I guess if if you guys beat if you guys win beat North Carolina today, you'll you'll rush the court, won't you?" And he said, "I looked at him, I looked him dead in the eye, and I said, buddy, we don't rush the court, rubber ring." <laughs> <laughs> so so Doug, take me take me back to so for you know like Matt said, uh, he's been a college basketball fan for I guess the start of the North Carolina games in 2012 I haven't been in Kentucky I've only been a Kentucky fan since around like 2015 2016 when was your first recollection where, you in? where have you been about that man day? I grew see I'm from I'm we're both from Chicago and yeah. I grew yeah. up a Wisconsin Badgers fan because my family we had uh, we had season tickets to their hockey games and all I know yeah. boo boo but <laughs> I love I'm I'm full of Kentucky now I'm 100 percent my I bleed blue but what were you yeah. 
what was your first recollections as like a child or or just growing up being a Kentucky oh, fan? Oh, listen, I used to watch uh, Rub Fronts play on a black and twelve inch black and white TV okay. back, back in the sixties. The games weren't live back then. You had to watch the tape delayed. It came on at like eleven thirty, mm-hmm. and Dad would leave the he'd let me leave the TV on in the bedroom so I could watch. I I, I usually could make it through the first half, but I, I would end up falling asleep. So, but I was in the I was stationed in the in the Air Force. I was stationed up in Indiana when the, in the seventy eight when they when the seventy eight team went to Market Square Arena and played in the NCAA regional. And I told somebody, I said, "Man, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna get this close to a to a tournament game again." And who knows when it'll be the next time? Right. So me and a friend of mine, he was a Michigan State fan. We drove down there and watched and and watched that game live. So. Uh, that was that, that was a good that was a good basketball team. But I was stationed up in Indiana. Kyle Mason played high school ball up in Peru. He worked played for his dad, and I could yeah, I knew he was going to be a player. And I thought, man, if we could just get that kid down in Kentucky, we could tear up Jack. But he ended up going to Purdue first, and then transferring. Mm-hmm. So he was I think he was the but the thing about that seventy eight team, I went to high school with Jack Givens and James Lee and those guys. We were in the same class. But I was I lived, I worked I lived with, I went to high school in Richmond, so they they were like it was like twenty miles away. Okay. So I, I you know I grew up with those guys. So Seventy eight was was a, was a good team, but they they were I, I didn't get to see them. I, I was in the military, so all the time I got to see them was on TV. But I'm telling you that this last championship, the 2012 team, I could just tell from the start that the, that that uh, Marcus Teague ran that. He ran that floor. He was the point guard, the end all point guard. And then, uh, but they were, they were very good. But Darius Miller, that, that kid came out of Round County, he was a senior and he could shoot, but uh, he, they did, he just wouldn't get in the, the green light to shoot whenever he just shoot anytime you touch the ball until he was a senior that on this, the senior on that team. And I think they pretty much told Cal, you let that, he needs to shoot because he can, he can score, mm-hmm. you know? So, they were good. That was a good team. The, the oh. team that lost to Wisconsin in the semifinals should have won the championship that year too, buddy. I'm gonna tell you. I still, I still think about that loss, and I mean, I was a Wisconsin fan at that time, and I just looking back, and it's like, how did that Wisconsin team beat like all those stars? And that Wisconsin team was a bunch of farmer boys from Illinois yeah. and the <laughs> north. And it's just, it's, it still cracks me up to this day. Yeah, that's the truth. They were, yep. yeah. So how do you how do you feel about this year's team, Doug? You got to watch them up close and personal. You saw a pretty bad South Carolina loss, but you also saw like a pretty good Florida win. Um, they're trending in the right direction. We got a good win against Tennessee this Saturday. How are you feeling about these guys as we're about to you know, turn the calendar into March? I think they needed the South Carolina game to, for that was a wake up call. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, 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 there's a lot of talent on this team, but they're just they just weren't getting in the right spot. This Livingston kid, I've watched him play all season, and he. Chris can shoot the ball. He's got perfect form on his jump shot. I watch him and I watch him. I get down there early enough so I can see him when they're warming up. And hit Wallace never misses from the three point line in practice. What Livingston can shoot and he can jump out of the gym, but he just wouldn't. But he just lacked the confidence. But and, and a lot of times these kids come in and they're freshmen. They're they listen to they got too much noise in their head. They listen to too many voices instead of just t- trusting the process and letting it play out. And I think it's finally. Here it is on what on middle of February, and that kid's finally getting. But usually, what happens? These kids come in, and we they 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 
at the end of the season, they're playing good and easy. They either turn pro or they transfer, and we, we don't reap the benefit of that second year. And it's, that's going to be a shame because I think he'll be a real player next year if Chris stays here. I hope he does. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think I that? I hope he does too. He can jump out of the gym. I've seen him take rebounds down there away from Austin. I ain't nobody gets the ball from Austin. When he gets it in his hands, it's done. Mm-hmm. Now that this team is starting to pick up some confidence, do you think that they could win a couple games in March? Do you think that you're still a little question? You need to see a little bit more because they do have very high highs, but they have very low lows as well. How are you feeling about this team going into the tournament? I think I think if we stay, if we can stay east of the Mississippi River because we got a short bench. If they if we get sent out to altitude, I don't know. You know, we got you've got to keep rotating and keep guys. We can't we can't keep we can't play we can't play guys in the, in Denver. Uh, for 38 minutes they just won't be able to they, they, think they about they, that they won't be able to they won't be able to take it you've got to so you're going to have to have a full rotation if you go out west because you get it out to it's a different ball game out there boys yeah uh, i got i didn't even because th- i was looking at like bracketology today and where they had us and i saw us in denver and i was like that'd be cool but like you raised a great point i didn't even think about that and our bench is kind of getting shortened but yeah. Hopefully, with like Wheeler and Frederick returning soon, I mean that's that'll be a good jolt yeah. to the to the rotation because they were playing good um, before, especially Severe did. Or Severe was playing well before um, there he got uh, injured. So, but yeah. uh, well, so Severe needs to run the he needs to run the point and, and whatever he do, don't shoot the ball because he can't <laughs> shoot. No, he, no, shoot a lick. But a lot, a lot of times he'll get the ball out on the break and he, he's so quick with the ball down the court. He gets down the court and nobody's down there yet. He has to stop and wait for everybody else to catch up. So yep. we're, we're, <laughs> what's the advantage to that? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Now, I had a question he's, about. He's a lot different. Yeah. He's, he, but, look, the thing with like Wheeler is I'm a huge severe guy. I love him to death. Um, and you're right. Like his shooting isn't the greatest, but. I don't think I've seen a faster player with my own eyes because I mean I was I didn't I never saw a deer and fox live I never saw guys that, but in terms of just in front of me Severe Wheeler might be one of the fastest players I've I've ever seen just John Wall was the quickest human being with the basketball I ever saw he could catch the ball at three quarter court and, and take five dribbles and he'd be laying it in <laughs> yeah that's that's so, what I mean, I've he was seen. just a blur with he was a blur with the basketball mm. now, DeAndre Fox was a better driver than John Wall John John Wall was. He was quick. He was quick on quick, but boy, DeAndre could shoot and he could drive the ball. Brandon Knight was probably the best pure shooter that we ever that we've had. He when he hit when he shot, it was, it was going in. There wasn't any doubt about it. When Brandon Knight turned the ball loose, you could ride it down and head back up the court. But this team seems to have they have games where they won't miss a free throw, and then they have games where they can't throw it in the ocean. And you've got to be able to hit free throws when 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 the tournament when we get in the tournament. And you're shooting, and they're you've got to make you've got to knock them free shots down. That, that that Georgia game, not Georgia game, the Florida game when they they baited Wheeler to, into throwing the ball to Collins at the end of the game, to, to, and then to foul him. And I was standing behind the basket when he walked up to the line, and I yelled at him. And I said, "Come on, Damon, you got to hit things and make them pay for it, you know." And he knocked them both down, which is they were. That's what that's that you know. But you've got to do that. That you when you walk the line, you ain't got nobody guarding you. It's fifteen feet. Hell, I'm six to seven years old, boys, and I could hit seven out of ten from fifteen feet. And I mean, it's not just just ain't that hard. Yeah, yeah. Now, Doug, how did you get your start as a blue coat? Like, what made you want to get into it? I, you know, I just always, I've always, I've just been a lifelong UK fan. My uncle had been in the one for forty years. And we'd come in at Christmas, and he'd 
he'd be at that he'd be at grandma's telling stories about you know the one on one club and how he how, but you know how he liked he liked doing the games and then when my brother got out he got him in and then it wasn't long after that uh, my brother said you know you need to get in this too because I already I lived in Lexington anyway I, I worked over here so I was I'd already moved over here so he got me he got me in and we we were both in for a long time we worked football games and and then basketball. So, so it's just like spend time. So now after uh, all this drama is coming back, when when do they uh, say that you're able to come back? And once that suspension does end up, are, are you excited to come back? Are you a little turned off from the whole process? Or you, you kind of just like the excitement and the rallying of the fan base coming around? Are you excited to come back? How does that feel for you? You can't, you can't get rid of the fan. You can't get rid of the fan in me. I'm just like an old line. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm gonna, we're gonna protect our turf one way or another. Mm-hmm. And if, it, if I have to sit out for a year and then come back in 2024, 2025, so be it. I mean, my brother says if I, after if I sit out for a year, it'll be hard to go back, but I don't think so. It just depends on, you know, where, where they put me in the, in the arena. I mean, I've worked all over, so it really doesn't matter, but I've kind of, I had, I had, I had enjoyed my time down in the, in the eruption zone. And these kids are not kindergartners, boys. They're, they're, they're full-grown adults. They're old enough to vote. They're old enough to go to war. I mean, if they ain't seen a bird by now, they're crying out loud. Where have they, where have they been? Oh. And, they're good, and they're all good kids, you know what I mean? But, boy, they know the basketball down there now. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I hope to see you back. I know we all do. I mean, I when I first saw that, in, in the whole incident, I was laughing. I was like, that's awesome. Because, you know, we were all doing it. And yeah. you, I'm sure you weren't the only blue, co- blue coat thinking that. You're the only one who did it. You know what I mean? I, well, the only one who got caught on TV. I was the yeah. only one who got on camera. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, my but, sister uh, called me and she said, what the hell were you thinking? You're always on TV. You said, you're behind the basket. You are always on TV. She said, what was you thinking? Did you think nobody wasn't going to see that? I said, hell, Teresa, I wasn't thinking. Are you kidding me? We were just caught up in the. <laughs> we, yeah. were, we, we were excited that we win. That you know we won the game. I said you don't think about shit like that when at that you know at that moment. I said I could. But besides, what did it hurt? It didn't hurt a dang on thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Doug, we talked a little bit about this year's team. Do you have like a favorite player that you like watching this year that you just enjoy watching more than others? Oh, this year's team. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Casey Wallace is real good with the ball. He doesn't turn the ball over. That's that that's that's good. But he he's a uh, he just he's a freshman and it's middle of March or middle almost March and freshmen for some reason they hit a wall, you know, toward the middle of February. And he once he gets his win back, if we don't play him too many minutes, that was part of the problem with that team last year when Ty Ty Washington got hurt. Well, supposedly got hurt. I don't believe he was ever hurt. But he, uh, when he went out and he had to play those two guards all those minutes every game, and I kept saying, y'all are going to kill him. You're killing them, boys. You're killing them. They ain't going to be worth the dime we get to the tournament. And what we do? We lose to a 15 seed in the first round. But them boys were wore out by the time the tournament wore around. We played them every minute. The problem with this damn SEC tournament is you, you if you, if you get, you got to finish in the final four to get the double bye. Nobody's ever won the SEC tournament that didn't end up with the double bye. So it's hard to play Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, then Saturday. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Four games. If you're playing four games and everybody else is going to play two, guess what? Come Sunday, you are gassed. I don't give a shit what kind of shape you're in. You're wore out. So if you, if you don't play till Friday night, you're you're just you got that much of advantage on somebody who had to play Wednesday night or had to play Thursday night. So uh, I think you that I think that's what we were trying to do last year. He want, he really wanted to get that double by so we wouldn't have to play till Friday night. And he just we we just gassed them in in February trying to win all those ball games and they're tough mm-hmm. games. The SEC is not is not a chump conference when it comes to basketball. Not anymore. You don't steamroll them like we used to. Okay, I I got one more question for you, and this this is really hard because it's hard to compare errors and all of that. But if you can take anyone in their Kentucky basketball prime to run the point guard for your team whether it be a Kyle Macy, a John Wall, De'Aaron Fox, you brought up a lot of good names. Who would it be? Who would be the point guard for Doug? Probably uh, you take away the three-point line, and I'm, I'm, I'm going with Kyle Macy. Now, you, if you add the three-point line, and I'm taking Brandon Knight all day long. Brandon Knight just never missed a shot from the three-point line. I, he was he was a he was a good driver. He could drive the ball, but Brandon Knight couldn't. He just was a shooting machine. But with, if you don't if it, if you do away with the line, the three point line, uh, Kyle Mason's best point guard I ever saw. Period. To play the UK anyway. No, maybe Doug. I got one this, final. Maybe I got I'm just one final old question. school. I don't know. <laughs> you know, if the game if the game is the game, boys, it ain't changed much in forty years. Yep. And that's why he's got his name up there in the rafters for a reason. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. So I got one more. I got one final question from me. Uh, I mean, you were there for Rupp's runs. You've been there for like practically the history of Kentucky Bat. I mean, you've seen it all. Who was your favorite coach during that your whole life as a Kentucky basketball friend? Who was oh, your favorite coach? Joe Hall. Joe. I was. I was. I was still too small to remember Adolf, mm-hmm. but I. But Joe Hall was uh, to me. He was the, the he took over for the legend, and and we and won a national championship. You just I mean that's just unheard of. But he you think about this guys. Joe Hall only coached thirteen years. Uh, Tubby Smith only made it ten. Billy didn't make it. He didn't have a cup of coffee. <laughs> and for good Rick, reason. Rick could have probably stayed longer, but Rick Rick, Rick wanted he wanted to get back in the NBA. It was about college basketball was too hard, the recruiting part, I think. Now, Cal's been here 14 years. He's uh, he's lasted longer than most, except for maybe uh, Rupp. But you it's you can tell it's it's wearing on him, and the fan bases they don't they get a little restless after a, after a <laughs> while. So Just a little. I, I wouldn't look for. Uh, he, plus, he's he's my age. I wouldn't look for him to be around. Uh, another maybe another maybe a year or two at the most, and then you're gonna have to figure out what you who do you who do you bring in for a coach. I mean, I've heard of, I've heard all this Calipari's got to go talk, and I hear it all the time. And I just look him right in the eye and I say, okay, if it ain't Calipari, then who? Who do you replace him with? Who's out there that you would replace him with? I don't know who it would be. Right I was now. Gonna, yeah, I was gonna say Nate Oates until the whole stuff today with the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. rough Nate timing Oates. on that. I don't know about all that. That's, that kid, that guy, that the Baylor boy, the guy that at Baylor, uh, uh, Scott, Scott, Drew. Scott Drew, Scott Drew, he might, he might could be pull it off. Mm-hmm. But I just don't. It, they, I've heard everything, but Tony from Tony Bennett to uh, 
to uh, Matt, uh, you know, Matt Oates to Billy Donald, please don't bring Billy Donald back in here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> he's he's not coming back. I agree. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, I don't know who it would be. He, well done. I mean, you know, he can he could up his game a little if he wanted to, but mm-hmm. who knows? We'll see. Well, Doug, we got a, a really big game tomorrow night. Um, so before we get out of here, what is your score prediction for Kentucky playing who else but the Florida Gators tomorrow night? If 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 they if, if what I'm hearing is true and the Casper kids not he's out for the season, then uh, they don't they, they can't guard they can't guard Oscar in the post. Oscar scored twenty points and get probably get twenty rebounds, and we should we should come out of there with a ten or twelve point game. I'd say. I say 80-70 would be a good score for that game. I like it. I like it. Well, I really appreciate your time. I'm glad you, we get to right. hear a little bit of uh, your story. I'm glad you were able to come on. And I hope uh, the Big Blue Nation could come back and get behind you again. And hopefully yes, we'll see you yeah, out there I, soon. I appreciate everything so far that they've done. It was, it's been it's been quite a ride. You know? Yep. Who, did, who knew one finger was going to cuff all these <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Have a nice rest of your night. All right. Thanks, Doug. Free Doug. Free Doug. Good seeing you. Yeah. See ya. Just need to clear my mind.